0: In chapter 4 2 Corinthians there's I just want to review real quick kind of where we've come uh, through this entire series first we learned that our brokenness reveals the glory of God that Paul calls us um, clay jars that we are jars of clay and that God has put the treasure of the gospel in us as broken and fragile as we are and he's done it on purpose and he's done it specifically for the purpose of letting his glory be seen so that people don't look at us and think that there's something great about who we are whatever we are for God's glory we are because of him and what he's done and then we saw that our witness of the gospel is in our endurance of suffering not in our escape from it that one of the purposes of suffering in our life is because it lets the gospel be seen to other people. And rather than having the perspective of the world that wants to run away from suffering and escape it and block ourselves from it, we understand that it's part of life, and it's not just part of life, it's part of the life of Christ. And so that was another uh, evidence that we uh, thing that Paul talked about this paradox that as we daily embrace Jesus death and suffering in our own lives we experience his life coming through us and that's something that's really difficult for the world um, to to understand that um, that how do we embrace the death of Jesus and the life of Jesus comes out of us but that's the paradox that Paul talks about And then finally, last week we said that our walk through suffering and the way we we go through it should and will always look different than the way the world suffers, the way the world walks through suffering. it, It should be an obvious difference when people look at the life of a of a believer as we endure suffering, and there should be an obvious, hopeful difference in the way we walk through it. And endure it. You know, I've thought about a lot of people through this series and and I know some of you have experienced and know um, so many of the people over the past, it seems like the past two or three weeks in our community, there's just been so much tragedy happening around us and especially with young folks Students in our colleges and in our high schools that have uh, lost their life, what we would say prematurely and, and it and, and we've seen so much tragedy and stuff go on and um, and I know there are things that each one of us, even families within our church family, that are dealing with with suffering that's not as public but it's very real and i don't know if I'm sure most of you identify with the struggle it is to want to say something when somebody that you love and care about is suffering. And you and you want to say something encouraging. You want to give them some kind of truth. You want to say something that's going to make them feel better. And it's so hard to know what to say. Uh, and unfortunately... I've, I've just seen it so much in my life. I've experienced it even. Sometimes that, that desire to say something comes out as something that's not very helpful. And maybe you've experienced that before. Um, because sometimes what we want to say is very, very true, but it comes out sounding very cliche in the midst of a lot of pain and hurt. And it doesn't always help. Um, I remember during my very first year of student ministry before I was here one of our young ladies one of our students came home from school one day and had a had a a spot kind of swell up on her neck it seemed pretty quickly and so she came home from school and said it was bothering her her parents took her to the doctor by the end of that night they were in Atlanta being told by doctors that she had cancer. She had Hodgkin's disease. And, and, and I remember being a, a rookie youth minister and that evening, myself and, and my pastor, Billy Fricks, you guys know Billy, we were in the car driving to Atlanta to go and visit her, her name was Patricia. And I remember sitting in the car, just thinking, I, I, "What am I going to say to her?" I, I don't know. Like I was panicking because there was an expectation that I'd put on myself, that I thought, "I've got to say something to her. I've got to give her some kind of biblical truth, some kind of biblical insight as to why this is happening, and and that everything's going to be okay." But I don't know if everything's going to be okay. I, I I know ultimately it will, but how do I communicate that to her? And and I'm having that conversation with billy and 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 he said, "We're not going down there to say anything." He said, "We're going to just be there and I learned something really important about ministry in that in in that first encounter was that sometimes you don't have to say anything, you just have to be there and maybe the most important thing you can say to somebody who is dealing with suffering is not to try to preach a sermon to them or not try to read some quote you read on Instagram a couple of days ago to try to make them feel better. That's not what they want to hear. Maybe all we need to say is, I love you. I, I, I love you. And be there. And that's all we have to do. But um, sometimes we're the one trying to console somebody who's suffering. Sometimes we're the ones who are suffering. And, and you know, you don't want to hear cliches when you're suffering. You don't want to hear Bible stories. You don't want to hear Sunday school lessons when you're grieving in the midst of something and you're hurting. And it, you want somebody to tell you the truth, don't you? That's what you want to know because you have questions and you have these feelings and you don't know what to do with them. And, and you just want somebody to tell you what's true, tell you what's real. Don't tell me it's going to be okay. Don't tell me God had a plan for it. Uh, Don't tell me any of that stuff. I, I just want to know. I just want to know, is everything going to be okay? And because when we're suffering, sometimes we're tempted to want to quit, right? Like emotionally, we can feel like the weight that we're going through is so heavy that we just want to stop. We just want to quit. Um, and what is, it that, what is it that keeps us from quitting? Because that's what we really need. When, when we're suffering, what we need is something in us that's going to keep us from just quitting. And, um, man, I actually brought something with me, if you'll bear with me for a second. Hold on. You guys on screen, I know you can't see me. Because I forgot to bring it up here with me. Um, how many times do you um, have the power gone out in your house? Uh, what's the first thing that you look for when the power goes out in your house? Flashlight, okay. Most of the time, modern technology, we have phones beside our beds, right? Most of us probably sleep with that phone right there next to us. And we know that's got a flashlight, but sometimes if, if you lose power overnight, your phone hasn't charged, your, you, you, you can't use the flashlight on your phone. So we look for a flashlight, right? So I just grabbed a little flashlight that I have at home. We need this to be able to see, especially if it's not pitch black, we need this to be able to see where we're going to see what's around us. Um, but how many of you have ever needed a flashlight and you were able to get to it and find it and the batteries were dead? <laughs> yeah. like, and And in that moment, you're stuck because... You, you don't, and unless you have some batteries that you've bought and you've put away and you know where they are, right? But if you get stuck in the dark without power and you have a flashlight, who, that the batteries are dead, then you're stuck. You're stuck in the dark. Um, I think that hope, like that thing that we need, That truth, when we're in the midst of a dark time of suffering in our life, is like the batteries. Um, The thing, obviously, that keeps the flashlight going is the batteries. But if you wait until you need the flashlight to look for the batteries and realize you don't have them, then, then you're stuck. The batteries, you have to be sure that you've already bought the batteries and you've put them somewhere that you know where they are when you need them, right? Or else you're going to be stuck. I feel like the truth and the hope that we need in those dark times of suffering are like batteries. We have to store it up in our hearts so that it's there when we need it. We have to buy batteries and put them somewhere so that when, when our batteries are about to die and run out or we click on our, the flashlight to try to shed some light on what's going on in the darkness of our life and it doesn't work, we need truth and hope but we need to have already tucked it in our heart so that when we need it, we can put it in and then we can see. Makes sense? Um, So this morning, in these last three verses, in verses 16 through 18, I think these are three true realities. These are like, you can think of them as batteries, okay? Three truths that we need to store up in our hearts now. You say, well, Eric, I'm not going through any suffering right now. Good. Now is the time that you need to to plant these truths in your heart. Because when you do hit that time of suffering, it's going to come out of nowhere It's not going to be planned, and you're going to be scrambling around looking for something so that you can see in the darkness of it, and you're going to need these. You're going to need to pull these out and say, I don't have to be afraid, I don't have to quit, because I have these. I have these truths. And These are three realities that Paul um, relied on so that he could endure through what he was going through, and they're true for us. So let's read first, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Paul says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now he says at the beginning of that verse, so we do not lose heart. That's because of the gospel. It goes back to the beginning. Because of the treasure that's in our jar of clay, that's why we don't lose heart. And when he says we don't lose heart, that word literally means to faint, to fail, to give up, to to run out of batteries where there's nothing left. Okay, we don't lose hope. But here's the first truth the spirit will outwear the body. The spirit will outwear the body. He says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Two opposites. Outer body continually falling apart. Inwardly being renewed every day. Um, he says our outer self, that he's talking about our flesh, he's talking about our physical bodies. And he says it's wasting away. It's in a constant state of decay um our bodies are breaking down every minute the time that you spend sitting here or sitting on your couch listening to me this morning your body is wasting away that's a nice thought isn't it Uh, but it's true i mean every every moment from the time we begin living we begin dying our 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 bodies our physical bodies are Get, are, are like trying to escape entropy and it's like and we do everything we can to try to stop it or slow it down right we try to eat right we try to be healthy we try to exercise we have to try and there's nothing wrong with those we should definitely do that but but it doesn't stop it it's it's always we're always wasting away you may have felt it this morning when you woke up i sure did I mean, you understand what I'm saying, physically, and it's not just Paul is not just talking about the trauma that he's enduring because of persecution that's going on in his life, and and there are obviously traumatic events in our life that maybe amplify or speed up that process of wasting away. Right? If we if we're injured, if we're hurt, um, suffering an accident, we we get sick, something like that. But but we all deal with it on some level, even. From the 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 aspect of I'm like losing eyesight, like our eyesight starts to leave, our our hair starts to like go away, turn loose. Some of us it starts earlier than others. Um, Medications, like the older we get, maybe the more medicines we have to take to try to try to keep our body together. Our hearing. I'm already y'all my wife like I'm already I think selective in my hearing but sometimes I'm like I, I I legit can't hear what somebody's saying and like I'm even began I'm 44 now and and I've had people tell me my whole life well once you hit 40 you'll start seeing stuff you know the wasting away it's like somebody hits the hits the gas on the wasting away when you get to 40 and I'm feeling a little bit of that like I'm totally understand that, and some of you guys do too but Paul says through, uh, though our body is wasting away. So he's, he's really saying while this process of decay is going on in our physical bodies, at the same time, our inner self is being renewed, our spirit, our souls. And he says it's being renewed day by day. So as our bodies, our physical bodies are wasting away and there's nothing we can do to stop it, our soul, he says, is being renewed. And you think about that word renewed. It's like um, like maybe if, if our physical bodies were like a, a bucket of water. And every day you lose a little bit of water. And it, it's not really that you can slow down the amount of water that's leaving the bucket. But every day less water is in the bucket, right? What he's saying about his spirit is that it's being renewed day by day you know what that that, literally that picture is that if the bucket of paul's soul and his spirit that every day when he wakes up it's full again it's being renewed day by day it's being made new so while the body is constantly getting emptier and emptier while that bucket is is losing water every day He says, our spirit, every day gets a refill. It's being renewed day by day. It's like unlimited refills. Um, And and we may see him say that and say, how does he say that? Where does that refill come from then? Like, if our bodies are wasting away, what keeps refilling his spirit? What's the answer? It's it's the treasure. It all goes back to the treasure in the jars of clay. It's the gospel. He says the truth of the gospel is what keeps our soul and our spirit renewed day by day. Okay? So the spirit will outwear the body. It's going to last beyond. When our bodies wear out and, and stop living, our spirit continuously being renewed every day through the gospel Now look at verse 17For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison Now this I'm just going to tell you all studying this this passage you know you have those lists of favorite Bible verses um, this one, this week, I'm, I'm adding to my list as like if somebody asks me, what's your favorite, what your, some of your favorite Bible verses, this is one. Because um, the way Paul writes this verse and what he says is so um, remarkable to me. Um, here's truth number two. The future will outweigh the present. The spirit will outweigh the body and the future will outweigh the present. He's already alluded to in that last um, set of verses that we looked at last week that there's a future hope that we hold on to. But look at what he says about his affliction. What does he call it? Light and momentary affliction? Are you kidding me? Do you guys remember early in this series when I read to you his description of all the things that he was going through? I don't think I would call that light or momentary it, it, it was it was long his entire life from the time he surrendered to to christ was was a struggle and it was not light like he suffered sickness and persecution and near death several times i don't think any of us would call that light affliction but what he's doing in this verse is he's He's comparing the affliction that he's suffering now to the glory that he's going to experience later. So this is what I want you to do. We're going to put verse 17 back up, and I want to show you just this remarkable way uh, that Paul does this. And hopefully you can see the different colors. But but what he's doing in this verse just is, is amazing to me. He's comparing two things, those words in green. He's comparing his current affliction to the coming glory, right? And look at how he does it. The word light describes his affliction. But how does he describe the glory that's to come? Weight, the eternal weight of glory, heavy so, light corresponds to weight, and then when he's talking about his affliction, he uses the word momentary, short. But when he's describing the glory that's to come, he uses the word eternal, which is never-ending. You see what he does there? Light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory so he says first of all that his affliction is light compared to the weight of the glory that's to come you know i couldn't help but think of our friend Freddie. couldn't help but think of our friend Freddie giles paul i'm glad you're here this morning i couldn't help but think of him as i was as i was reading this because we read that verse And we go, okay, Paul, light affliction? I don't think so. Like we have, some of us have experienced in our own lives in the lives of people that we love. And maybe just seen in our community things that are extremely heavy. And we would look at that and go, Paul, how do you call our affliction that we live now light? There's no way. Um... I don't think any of us, when I think about Freddie and what he endured for over 10 years, I don't think anybody would call what he went through light. Would you? Would any of us ever look at, at his situation, Sabrina, what she went through, what, what their whole family went through with him together, and look at that and go, oh, that's light. No. No. He fought that disease for 10 years. He's been in heaven just a little over two years now. What do you think he would say now? Do you think Freddie would call it light now? Yeah, he would. Absolutely he would. You know why? Because he's, he's seen the glory. It's all about our perspective. It's all about what, what we keep our eyes on. He calls it light affliction. And then he says, not just is it light, but it's momentary, which means it's, it's fleeting. It, it's not, it, it doesn't last long. And we look at that in our world and go, what are you talking about it doesn't last long? We see people who suffer with things. Freddie suffered for over 10 years. We see people with disease and sickness and ailments. And they suffer for years and years and years and years. Johnny Erickson Tata has been in a wheelchair for how many years now? Like over 50 years. Can't use her arms, can't use her legs. Like that's long. That's a long time. But Paul says compared to the glory, the eternal glory that's to come, it's light. And the reason I think Paul says that it's... uh, light and momentary is what i what i meant to say i think the reason he think he calls it momentary is he's thinking like like in james um james chapter 4 verses 13 and 14 says come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring james asks, what is your life For you are a mist that appears for how long? Little time and then vanishes. This is what Paul was talking about. It's the same perspective that James had. Compared to the glory that's to come. What we're suffering through now, whatever it is. No matter how heavy it seems, no matter how long it seems, if we can pair it up with the glory that's promised to come, it makes it light it makes it momentary and that's that's where paul's mind was that that's that's where his heart was, and that's why he could say that about what he was going through and then he says something at the end of the verse um that is even cooler he's saying that it's even greater because the glory that's to come is beyond all comparison which I think is kind of ironic he uses verse 17 to try to compare the glory to the suffering he's going through but then he ends the verse by basically saying well the glory is beyond any comparison so it's like I'm trying to compare it but it's kind of useless to compare it because the glory that's coming is even beyond any comparison that's even better than any comparison I could make for you right now. But there's one more truth in that verse that that is, that is so great that, that just hit me and I thought, wow, how powerful is this? Look at verse 17 again. There's a verb, and I've highlighted it in yellow for you. For this light momentary affliction is, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Do you, do you see what he's saying there? That verb preparing also means producing or bringing about or causing. It's not just that the affliction that we're suffering through in this life is, is just just the curse of sin but it's even better Paul says that it's actively doing something and so in those moments where we feel like i'm just suffering through this and there's no reason for it Paul doesn't give us a specific reason and say well no this is one of the reasons for your suffering but he says no your suffering's not for not for nothing because it's doing something he says it's preparing for us the weight of glory. So this wasting away that he talks about, it's not just, it's not just part of what we have to suffer through. It's, it's somehow part of how God is producing a greater glory and eternity for us. That's literally what it says, that the affliction, the wasting away, is preparing for us the weight of glory. Listen to um, 1 Peter. Let me read 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 through 7. I, wanna, I want you to focus on kind of the, the middle end of it. But I want to read it all in context. So starting in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us. You remember Jesus says what? I'm going to prepare a place for you. Verse 5. Who by God's power talking about us, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for how long? little while, momentary. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I never thought about it. But when Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, right? Paul tells us in verse 17 that part of the, one of the things that God uses in preparing that place for us is the suffering that we endure now. And you say, how does that happen? I don't know exactly. But that's what verse 17 says. The pain that you're enduring now in faith is preparing Somehow a longer, momentary suffering preparing a longer glory, light suffering preparing a heavier glory than anything here. Does that make anybody want to say hallelujah? 1 Corinthians 4 verse 18, Paul writes in his first letter to Corinth, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. This is Second Corinthians 4.18, not 1 Corinthians, sorry. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the last verse, and here's number three. Here's that third verse. Truth that third battery the eternal will outlast the temporary the eternal will always outlast the temporary so in this last verse in verse 18 paul tells us how he's able to see his affliction as light and momentary and we've kind of alluded to it already we look at what we're going through and say how is this light how is this momentary because we're living in it here on earth. Like, how, how, do we, how do we have that perspective? Paul is not like somewhere, he's living it out when he writes this. So, how is he able to see that and say that? It's in verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, the key to being able to, to say those things. Is, is what are we looking at? What are we, what are we putting our eyes on and, and what are we seeing? It's when we only look at what we can see that the suffering seems long and heavy, right? If our perspective is just earthly and this is all we can see, of course we're going to look at it and it gets and the more we, we dwell on our suffering, the longer it gets, right, and the more we dwell on it and look at it, the more heavy it becomes. But he says the 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 way I'm able to see it as light and momentary is because that's not what I'm that's not what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at what's seen because what's seen, we look around at what we see, and it's and it's falling apart. But as we look at what is unseen, the trials that we see become lighter, become shorter. And here's here's the key that I think that verse really means. Is that we have to keep the unseen in sight all the time. Now there's a paradox. Write that one down. We have to keep the unseen in sight all the time. That's what Paul was doing. It would have been so easy for him to fall into that pit of despair and want to quit. Just all think about all the things that he endured. And he wrote most of the, of the New Testament that, that he authored from prison cells. It would have been so easy for him to keep just looking around at his circumstances. To keep looking around at his physical suffering. The opposition that was coming against him. But he he was looking beyond all of it. And he was keeping his eyes. And you say, well, how how do I keep unseen in sight? That doesn't make any sense. It's not with your eyeballs that you see the unseen. It's with your mind and with your heart that you see the unseen and he says because of that he can hold on to his hope and then he says in verse 18 for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal transient just means short-term limited Everything you see has an expiration date. Everything. And this is something that that we need to consider too. It's not just the bad things in the world that are transient. It's also the really good things. Like, I know there are things that we... There are things that we love and enjoy, like the, everything that we see isn't bad. Like we see lots of good things. We see lots of great things. But, but there's even a transient nature to the, things that, to the good things that we see. Paul, Paul doesn't say in verse 18, for the, for the bad things that are seen are transient. He says the things that we see, everything that we see. Is transient. Not just the bad stuff, but even the good stuff. Even the good things that we're tempted to, to put all of our attention and give all of our allegiance to, even the good things in our life can distract us from seeing the unseen. It's not just the bad things, the eternal will always outlast the temporary. These truths, these three things are like the batteries. And all of these things, all of these three truths come from that treasure that's in our jars of clay. It comes from the gospel. So. When we're going through suffering, and I hope I hope that right now you're not. Because if, if you're not, you need to take these truths like batteries and put them somewhere in your heart where you'll know exactly where they are. Dwell on them. Meditate on them. Praise God for them. Because one day... If it's not today, it's someday, you're going to go to look for answers and you're not going to have any and you're going to need this so that you can look around and see what what you think isn't there but really is. And all of this comes from the gospel. Without the gospel and without the decision that we make to trust and believe the gospel and give our lives to it, it's like having a flashlight with no batteries. Without a relationship with Jesus. There's nothing nothing to put in it when you're ready to quit.